To all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders, welcome to the Lockdown Divas Podcast, episode 32. We back in the building, man, each and every Tuesday, right back down here. YouTube, Google Podcast, Spotify, Anchor, you name it, we doing it each and every Tuesday, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're here for you, man. We appreciate everybody's support, uh, love, and admiration to the podcast at this point, man, 32 episodes in. we just getting started. Hey, man, I appreciate everybody's support. Uh, We're going to get into some good news today, man. We're going to talk NBA. Of course, you know, the news that LeBron got hurt. We'll get into that. Um, we'll talk about LaMelo Ball as well. We'll get into some hot games. We'll run through some hot games uh, each day out the week since we last spoke. And we'll talk about how we felt about those games and uh, what was the takeaways from those. We'll talk about that. We'll get into as well. We'll get into uh, who we think since LeBron and LaMelo got hurt. And they were, in my mind, you know, in the upper echelon or maybe front running for MVP and rookie of the year. Who the new supporters or who the new suitors will be for that award. We'll get into the East and West standings. We'll talk about that. We'll get into exactly what we feel like the league is trending towards and who's hot and who's not. We'll talk about the hot Hawks and how they were uh, <laughs> above 500 finally in a hot little winning streak. And since they fired their uh, first coach, and they have Nate McMillan. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some trade candidates, who we think they might be on the train block and me get bored out in the next uh, coming weeks. So we'll talk about that, who where they may land. Uh, we'll play off spotlight. We'll do some COVID updates. We'll talk about that as well. Then we'll get into some NFL news. We'll talk about Deshaun Watson again, his legal troubles, and uh, how that's faring. Uh, we'll get into the free agency recap. We'll get into some notable signings. We'll talk about some people that finally landed uh, in certain places that can help the teams uh, going forward this coming season. We'll get into that. We'll talk about some notable unsigned habits as well, some people that are still out there in the wind that haven't been signed yet and where they may land or who needs them. Uh, we'll get into the Patriots as well. We'll talk about how they fit into the NFL landscape now that they've rebooted. We'll talk about the Browns with their under-radar moves. We'll talk about the Giants as well with their offensive reboots and what is Daniel Jones going to do with all those weapons. We'll get into our grades. We'll, we'll rate uh, who's best and worst as far as free agency is concerned, who's winners and who loses at this point. We'll talk about Pete Carroll as well. We'll get into that and him and Russell Wilson have they solved their issues. We'll talk about that. Then we'll get into uh, the Washington football team, the Bears, and their curious uh, cases of their football choices when it comes to quarterback. We'll get into that. Then we'll move on to Lakers locker room. We'll talk about uh, how we feel about LeBron's injury in depth. Uh, rest in peace to Elgin Baylor. We'll talk about that. Give him a quick uh, tribute. Uh, we'll talk about how we think the Lakers are going to fare in the next coming weeks. It look like uh, LeBron AD going to be out extended time, so we'll get into that. And who needs to step up for the team? We'll get into that, and we'll talk about the upcoming games we have for this weekend and how we're going to fare as well with that. Then we get into the fourth quarter closeout. We'll give our awards for breakout player of the week, lockdown defender of the week, and big dummy of the week. So please stay tuned to that. We'll get into that as well. And uh, let's do it, man. Let's do who's in the news, man. Let's move. Let's talk who's in the news. Let's start with the NBA. We'll get into some hot games. Let's talk about some hot games that happened this week, first and foremost. I mean, of course, the elephant in the room is LeBron's injury and, of course, LaMelo's injury. But uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, some hot games I was tracking this week, and I definitely wanted to underscore what happened in those games um, throughout the week. So Tuesday, the Pelicans and the Blazers played, and uh, this was a really good game. It was a one-point victory by the Blazers behind a 50-point triple-double, excuse me, double-double by uh, Damian Lillard. Yeah, double-double. I haven't seen Damian have a triple-double in a while, but uh, yeah, it took 50 points from Dame for them to edge the Pelicans by one, so that was a good game on Tuesday. Wednesday, the Bucks and the 76ers with no and Joel Embiid played. And uh, I'm just a little, I'm a little heartbroken about that because I wanted to see Embiid being the boys before force against the Bucks. Um, this could be a playoff preview. But uh, the Bucks uh, edged out uh, the 76ers and uh, behind Giannis is 32 and 15. 
So that was a pretty good game. Oh, on Thursday, the Wizards and the Jazz played, and the Wizards actually beat the Jazz uh, and behind Westbrook in a 35-point triple-double that he had. So I jumped the gun there. So Westbrook had a triple-double, not Dane. So, yeah, so that was a pretty good game. So the Wizards edged out the Jazz in that regard. So, yeah, that was a good game. Friday, the Nets and the Magic played, and the Magic actually beat the Nets behind Air Gordon, Aaron Gordon's 38 points. So that was a good victory for the Magic. And subsequently, after Aaron Gordon had that 38, he requested a trade. <laughs> That's so wild. But yeah, he requested a trade. So we'll talk about who's on the trade blog as well. We'll get into that in a few minutes. On Saturday, uh, this was the bad news came. Uh, the Hawks and Lakers played, which was supposed to be a marquee matchup. The Hawks were undefeated going into this after they fired their coach. Um, and they remained undefeated in this regard because they beat the Lakers after LeBron got hurt uh, early on in the, I want to say the first quarter. He came out with a high angle sprain. And John Collins, uh, unsung hero for the Hawks, uh, came out with 27 points in that game. So that was a pretty good game. Then he beat the uh, Lakers by five. On Sunday, the Mavs and the Blazers played. Uh, Luka Doncic. <laughs> and then I say the when I say the Mavs blew out the Blazers, they blew out the Blazers, and Luka had 37. So the Mavs took a large chunk of, out of the Blazers, and they definitely beat them by a lot. <laughs> so the, Luka was dealing... Wheeling and dealing with 37 points. So we'll give them definitely credit for uh, starting to hopefully get right when it comes down to the Mavs and playing good ball, hopefully. So in last night's game, it was a good marquee matchup. I was looking forward to this game. Uh, the Hawks and the Clippers. <laughs> now, I was like, the Hawks are here, man. They were here. They uh, started off slow. They were down one in the, at the uh, start of the, at the, start of the second quarter. And they ran off a 15-point lead going into half. And they completely and utterly blew it. <laughs> I mean, completely and utterly blew it <laughs> in the second half. I mean, I, it was two it was two separate teams. The team that played in the second quarter, first, you know, first half, second quarter-ish for the Hawks, they stayed in the locker room. I don't know who these guys were that came out at, at half uh playing against the Clippers, but the Clippers took over and <laughs> they ended up beating them by nine. You blew a 15 point lead, you end up losing by nine. I mean, we're talking about a 24 point swing. So the Hawks took their first loss since they fired their coach in dramatic fashion to the Clippers. Like I said, they were up on them big, up by 15 at half, and lost by nine. So the Clippers win, and the Hawks lose. And they finally lose a game since the the uh, the coach was fired. And they got Nate Miller now. So there are, what's it like, eight and one? I feel like they're eight and one. So yeah, so are the Hawks for real, man? That's that is the million dollar question. But uh, we're we're waiting to see still because they haven't beat a marquee team yet, in my opinion. That um, is full strength because clearly the Lakers lost LeBron early in that game, and I'm sure LeBron's good for five points or six points, and they could have won that game if LeBron had stayed. So and then they end up blowing the lead to the Clippers. So I, I'm still on the fence, but I think they could if they play and win the games they're supposed to win. They could be a playoff team. And a hot playoff team with a good shooting on this team could be dangerous to the top of seed. So let's let's see how that works. Let's see how that works. But um, let's get into the news, man. Let's talk about LeBron and LaMelo, man. You know, people dropping like flies. And I don't know if I'm going to pin it on COVID and I'm going to pin it on the free, quick restart or in, in these back-to-back -back games and these every other night playing, this format they have with these 72 games. But people are dropping like flies. And, and we're talking front-runner award winners Embiid gets hurt you know ad gets hurt you know former you know Joel Embiid is clearly was clearly the front runner for mvp before he got hurt 
clearly AD is uh, is you know a uh, former defensive player of the year. They were talking he could take strides and maybe fight for the MVP award this year. He's taking steps and being the dominant player for the Lakers. He got hurt. KD got hurt. Former MVP. He's been out. LeBron and Lamelo are the latest line of people that were front runners for awards. To me, Lamelo was a runaway. Uh, for the Rookie of the Year award, period. Like, it wasn't even close in my book. Like, I think he was his award to lose, and he wasn't doing anything to lose it. And he gets hurt, he breaks his wrist, and he's pretty much done for the season. Tough. It's tough, man. Then LeBron comes down, Solomon Hill falls on his ankle as they go for a loose ball, and he has a high ankle sprain, which is unlike a normal sprain in your ankle, and it lingers, and it lasts way longer, and it's more... Uh, detrimental to your overall health uh, until it's fully healed. So that could sideline LeBron for anywhere between three to four weeks. And I really feel like LeBron is a really good healer. He gets the best treatment, but even withstanding all that, you know, I'm not even going to get into the idea of he's older now than before. I really feel like he bounces back pretty well, but you know, just particular injury you don't want to play with and, and have it linger and be a, a issue with, uh, your play going forward. So you have to rest it and make sure it's completely healed before you come back. So we're probably looking at three to four weeks from a Lakers fan perspective. So that's rough for us, man, because AD was already out. And I just hope they don't make any, any crazy decisions about bringing AD back uh, you know, faster than we normally wanted it to, because I think he's going to be out with more than two or three weeks. So I think that he's going to come back slightly before LeBron. So he'll start trying to get himself, work, get himself back into shape, and then LeBron will come back. But... Regardless, you know, we're missing our two big guns, and hopefully we can tread water long enough because um, we got some tough games coming up. I mean, here and there, it's a you know, decent game and a tough game, decent game and a tough game. So we got to be able to tread water, and the guys that are on the team that are there right now got to step up, which I hope they will, you know, from Lakers' standpoint, that with the trade deadline coming up, I think I'm hoping that that will ultimately allow for uh, them to maybe be aggressive in the trade deadline or get a, you know, convince somebody in the buyout to come play. Um, definitely looking at Andre Drummond. So, hoping to that. But, um, and I'm just not sure what's going to happen with the Hornets as well because, you know, I just think that that was, you know, LaMelo was the, was the, was running the train and he was definitely, you know, he was the conductor. He was, he was, he was moving the train well and then was, the team was training upwards, um, you know, being a lower C playoff team, you know. So, it's rough, man. It's rough. There. And, and I just think that, you know, it's, it sucks because I just, you just can't quantify with him missing that amount of time, him being the rookie of the year. But I really think it was his award, and It really sucks. So that begs the question, you know, when people keep dropping out of the race for in, due to injury when it comes to MVP and rookie of the year. So, you know, I, I, I could say that, you know, looking at now, looking at James Harden is possibly an MVP, Giannis again, maybe, um, you know, Joker, um, if they assume they win enough games, even a dark horse, Chris Paul, because he's a really good leader, uh, you know, people that, that Luka Doncic, but, and, you know, rather than drilling all that down to that and who might be the rookie of the year now, but I, I just got a better question. You know, how do you feel when you know that if you do win an award, it was only based upon the fact that you were there or winning that award because somebody got hurt? Like, how does that feel? I, I, I always wonder that. Like, what does that feel like when you were the winner by default, in a sense? Like, I'm not, not going to act like LeBron was just going to run away with the MVP. But you got two or three people that, you know, twice removed from the list. Like, you got Embiid first. Embiid was removed from the list because of his injury. Then you get LeBron removed because of his injury. You know, KD missed some time. 
You know, I'm sure that he could have been in that front tier had he been scoring at the clip he'd been scoring before he got hurt. So, you know, if you're like the fourth or five guy, fourth or fifth guy that's ascended to the top of the list because all these other guys got hurt, how does it make you feel? I mean, does, does it matter to you? Does it not? You know, what does it, you know, what do you feel is, you know, being the quote unquote, you know, de facto guy or the default guy because you, the other guys got hurt. You know, had they not got hurt, you probably wouldn't be in the seat of having to award. So does it sully it for you? I'm, I'm curious about how people feel about it. I'm wondering that. So, I, you know, we'll keep an eye on who we think might be the front runners. But overall, I think that it's definitely going to be a weird year and, and guys going to win an award that we probably wouldn't think that they'll win it, you know, in, in, in the near future, you know, so we'll, we'll keep on it. You know, I think that, uh, it's still a lot of basketball to be played. So that's the biggest thing. A lot of basketball to be played and we'll, we'll see how it, it, it runs in the last back half of the season. So speaking of how the back half of the season is going to play out, let's talk about the standards real quick. Uh, so let's start with the East. So, uh, I'm proud of the 76ers because they still are doing pretty well without him um, they're not winning every game, obviously, but they still were doing pretty well. They're still holding to the on to the top seed by one game. They're 30, they're 30 and 13. The Nets are 29 and 14. The Bucks are 28 and 14. The Heat, who are on a definitely uh, uptick when you know from their play in the beginning of the season, they finally got healthy and, and got maybe you know somebody they didn't really jive with in Myers Leonard out of the locker room. So they're starting to flourish. Uh, they're 22 and 21. The Hawks, like it's like I was referring to them being hot as well, eight and two in their last 10. They are 22 and 21. The Hornets, they just lost LaMelo 21 and 21. So they're a playoff team at the moment. But I'm hoping, I don't know what's that going to mean for them. So I'm just, I'm not, I'm curious how they're going to fare after life after LaMelo for this season. I'm curious. The Knicks at the seventh seed right now, they're 21 and 22. And the Celtics are the AC right now, and they're 21 and 22 as well. Now, the Celtics are dis- is disappointing because I really feel like that team is talented enough to be much, much higher. I think it really should be above the Knicks, the Hornets, and the Hawks at least. And they can fight between the Heat and, and for the four or five seed, but the Celtics are underachieving. You know, they even had to have a, you know, come to Jesus meeting of sorts between the teams so they can figure it out. Now, I get it that they're young when they're two, two of their big, three big guns are young. Jalen Brown and Taysom are young, you know, but Kimba and Marcus Smart need to be able to galvanize them boys, you know, enough to be able to do better from a production standpoint because they're losing games they shouldn't lose. And I, I had a higher host for them. They should not be at AC right now. They should not. And But it's just a question of whether or not they can turn it around. I mean, they're literally five and five in the last 10. So they got to do something different that's going to change their fortune because it's not looking good right now. It really isn't. I mean, they're literally two games from out of, from being out of the playoffs altogether. The Bulls go, the Pacers get the act together, which Pacers are up and down as well. They're four and six in the last 10, but they are in every game practically. The Pacers are literally in every game. They sneak out victories from people that you wouldn't think they'll beat. So that's another issue too. So the Celtics got to figure it out, man. They really do. Cause I mean, I, and it could be a, uh, just a dynamic switch or just a de facto switch because the Hornets may go down some because they lost the mellow and the Celtics may trend up. So, if they hover around that five or four to five seeded and they play the Heat, that should be a good series. It should be. I still think the Heat might be- beat them the way they're playing. But if if they're playing better in the last half stretch, then you know they they could win a first round series. So I need the Celtics to do better, man. They they're a talented team, and I like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So I really hope they do better. So let's talk about the West. 
uh, the Jazz are holding on to the one seed right now. They're 31 and 11. They're five and five, though, in their last 10. Keep your eye on that. I'll, I'll be talking about that uh, slowly uh, in, uh, in Sports Talk, and it's worth bringing up here. Their last 10, they're five and five. So they're up and down. But they have a, still have a three, two and a half game lead over the Suns, who are 28 and 13 at two. Uh, the Lakers will probably drop some, but they're 28 15 right now. Um, they're tied, you know, virtually tied with the Clippers, who are 28 16 right now. The Lakers are 6 4 in the last 10. The, the Suns are 8 2 in their last 10. And the Clippers are 5 5 in the last 10. So they're, they're up and down as well. The Nuggets, who are trending up now. Uh, Joker and, and, and Jamal Murray are doing big things. They're 8 2 in their last 10. So they're 25 17 at the 5 seed. The Blazers are 7 3. They got CJ McCullough back and I'm, I'm telling you, them boys fully healthy can make some noise. So I, I expect the Suns, the, the, the Suns to be okay, and I expect the Blazers to be okay uh, as far as their mainstay in their uh, production. I really feel like they will continue their upward trend because they're the ones that are doing the best as far as their winning record, quote unquote, in the last ten games. Suns, the Nuggets, and the Blazers. Then you got the Spurs at 22 and 18 at seven. They're five and five in the last 10. And the Mavericks, Mavericks are trending upward as well. Lucas playing really good basketball. They're seven and three in their last 10. And they get the Warriors on the outside looking in by half a game, but well, one game, one full game um, at four and six in their last 10. And the Steph's kind of in and out with his tailbone injury. So we'll see how that shakes out. But that's the Eastern and Western Conference, man. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, the Jazz a little bit, they're floundering a little bit, but the Suns still playing well. And then the unique difference between the Jazz and the Suns that veteran leadership. I always talk about that. That veteran leadership. So, yeah, man. So that'll uh, that'll get that'll be the standards for the week. And uh, <laughs> I'd say, you, you know, it's definitely uh, going to be interesting to see with these injuries and how things shake out with the standards. But um, I think this is a unique year. I don't think standings matter that much. I think they it really matchups matter, but not standings. Matchups matter. Like you want to play a certain team that you match up with better you know, down the stretch or playing in the first two rounds. So you kind of get your, your feet wet in the playoffs, especially if you hadn't been there in a while. So I think matchups matter, but I don't think seeding matters as much. You know, if that makes sense because I don't think that, you know, if you, just because you're the one seed, you might get an AC that you don't want to face. That's my point. Like, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm all rah, rah, rah. And I want to be the one seed. Right. But if that AC is the team that you don't match up well against, you don't want to be the one seed. So you want to be in this place where you match up with the team you want to play first. Like if it's a team you beat four straight in the regular season and you feel confident against them, you want to play that team first round. You don't want to play that team that you don't match up against well in the first round and mess around and have a ugly series and potentially lose because yeah, you're the one seed, but the eighth seed is hot and they can they have you running with you like a chick with your head cut off and you don't know how to match up well against them and you're shell shocked in your playoffs and you don't realize that they're up 3-0 and you don't know what happened. So you want to match up well with it, with teams that you match up well against versus worrying about an actual number in the seed, in my opinion. So that we'll see how that shakes out. Like I said, I alluded to the song, the Hawks being uh hot. Uh like I said, they only lost. I think they don't this is their first game they actually lost since they fired the coach and they're like eight with a seven three, eight and two, eight and two is the last uh ten. So they're playing pretty good ball. Um again, it, it calls into question whether or not they're actually gonna be really good against perennial good teams, you know, especially in the East, like the Seven Sixes, the Nets, and the Bucks, even in the Heat. Um, but they're they're trending upward. They're trending upward. They're finally above five hundred, but one game above five hundred. So we'll see how it shakes out. But it looks like that coaching change just seems to be working. 
seems to work and then it doesn't work out a lot of times there's very few cases where it actually works so i'm i'm actually proud of the fact that amy miller's doing a good job there and hopefully he can stay and uh keep them boys playing good ball but yeah so yeah it's a couple of things i want to uh spotlight real quick when it comes down to uh the players of this week and um well let's start with the trade candidates first let's start with that uh, so that I guess four hot names on the trade uh, block that could be traded for or bought out and allow them to go to different teams. Uh, uh, Andre Drummond, of course, he's been in the news for weeks because um, Blake Griffin got dealt to the Nets already, so he was bought out. And so Andre Drummond's still in the wind of the Cavs. So he hadn't been uh, traded yet, so maybe after the trade down is over, they'll buy him out and he'll get over to a different team. And I'm hoping he comes to the Lakers, honestly and truly. Um, him and another guy I got my eye on. Um, Victor Oladipo has been in the news recently about potentially being a trade partner for somebody. Um, him leaving, I believe, the Rockets and uh, and going somewhere else. He's a really good player. I wouldn't mind having him um, as a third option uh, on the on the Lakers as well. So, yeah, I mean, that's not a bad idea either. But if he gets bought out, because I don't think we have the capital to trade for either one of them at this moment or, or give up what they want for them, for them to be traded. So if it could be a buyout situation, we could get either one of those. But I'm waiting on that. Norman Powell, who's been playing pretty good well, played pretty good ball for the Raptors as well, uh, coming down um, the last four or five games. He's had pretty – he's strongly given a few ga- good games here lately. So he's been in the trade uh, rumors as well. He's been a potential suitor. And Eric Gordon requested his own trade. <laughs> so they are, you know, it's just a question of would they go to contenders if they were bought out or would they just go to somewhere they feel like they can play – they can be in a better situation is question. I feel like Drummond will definitely go to contender. I feel like all the people will do the same, but they both probably want to compete for a title. Norman Powell and Aaron Gordon probably could go either way. They probably go either way. They could just go to a better situation because the Nets, excuse me, not the Nets, but the Magic are doing pretty bad because Markel Fultz and Phil people got hurt. And the Raptors aren't doing well at either at all either, even though they um still have their pretty they're pretty their nucleus is pretty much intact. But they they're not playing good ball as well either. So I feel like they could just go to a situation where they'd probably be better off, you know, in a team that's like a four seed or above. So it really just depends on how things shake out. It really just depends. But yeah, I'm I'm looking at uh I'm looking at those four guys being potential trade um cogs or bought out and make moves to different teams come the trade deadline. So we'll see how that shakes out. Definitely see how that shakes out. But yeah, let's uh, talk about a couple of players I will spotlight um, this particular uh, cycle of podcasts. And uh, (laughs) I want to talk first and foremost about Mr. Colin Sexton, because I talked about him before and this kid keeps popping up on a stat sheet. And I'm like, how is he he doing all this when the Cavs are, quote unquote, you know, on on the fringe? They're not doing that well. Carlos Sexton is doing is doing is still putting up numbers despite the fact that they are up and downs in the win loss column. I mean, he, you know, we're talking up anywhere between nineteen to twenty four to twenty five a night, you know, for the point guard spot. I mean, just just out here doing doing big things, man. So, gotta give Carlos his his credit, man. He's averaging twenty four points uh, this particular season so far in totality. So he's definitely doing his thing. Got to give Colin his credit, man. He's doing pretty good. And then having Kevin Love back might help them out as well. I mean, clearly they're, six, they're 16 and 27, so they're not going to do, you know, not going to just change their fortune overnight, but they're doing pretty well for themselves. I got to give him credit. Also got to give credit for James Harden, man. He's been really, you know, playing consistent ball and being 
a really good leader. You know, and it's hard. It's rough for me to say because I just I had I called him the question about his leadership skills and his playoff play and a lot of things that were negatives from him being a lead player. But he is playing really good point guard basketball for the Nets. I gotta give him credit. Gotta give him credit for that. So yeah, I mean, he's just. I mean, he like say I don't know how you would feel about him being MVP if if if, if Embiid and all, all these guys got hurt and then it weren't able to be in the front running for the award, but you know, he could mess around and win another MVP award just the simple off the simple fact that you know he's just he just being he's just that good right now. He's having just double double, twenty five and eleven, eight rebounds. So yeah, man, I gotta give James Harden his credit, man. Gotta give him credit because he's definitely doing the big things out here. Gotta give him credit, man. Gotta give him credit. And I got alluded to earlier, Norman Powell. He's been playing pretty good as well. He's been playing good ball. I mean, I said the Raptors up and down. They're one and nine in the last ten, but it wasn't because Norman Powell wasn't putting up numbers. <laughs> I'd say you that much. I'd say you that much. But yeah. And last but not least, uh, Mr. Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic has been putting in a lot of work, and he, like I said, he's got his boys on the upward trend. Finally, <laughs> like. Finally, they're starting to figure things out because I was worried for them about as well for a minute. They're like I said, they're 73 in the last 10, you know. And Luca's been playing really good basketball. I mean, we're talking about really good basketball, you know. And and if he plays, because he's on this trend, he could he could fight for the especially if they win more games. I think the key is to them winning more games, but he has to uh, they have to win more games, but his numbers are impeccable 29 points a game, eight rebound, 8.4 rebounds, and 9.2 assists. So, hey, gotta give him credit for that. Gotta give him credit for that. And his last, I'll just read his last five games. <laughs> he, he had 21, 25, 42, 38, and 37. I mean, yeah, big work, big work. And then triple double sprinkle, a double double, triple double sprinkled in and he flirted with one on the 19th um, as well. You know, he was one, one assist and one rebound away from being another triple double. So yeah, gotta get a little of his credit, man. I mean, he was a, he was the people's favorite going in. So hopefully, you know, he can start to, you know, get some uh, some fanfare behind or some push behind his uh, MVP uh, run. So we'll see. We'll definitely see. And last but not least, we'll talk about Kobe real quick. Uh, yet again. Now, again, for the next, for the, uh, for the second, for the, was it second or third straight week, we didn't have a whole lot of, we had more game cancellations and we didn't have a whole lot of COVID cases that were uh, affecting teams um, detrimentally. So, that's good news. That's good news. With the vaccine rolling more and more to regular folks and things of that nature, the temperatures are getting warmer. Hopefully we can start to keep this trend going and not have any more games canceled and any more people come down with this deadly virus. So shouts out to the NBA and people being safe and being smart about their uh their protocols and doing things that keep people safe, man. But that's gonna wrap up who's in the news, man, for NFL NBA. So let's move over to the NFL. So now let's talk NFL. I want to start with Deshaun Watson. I just want to get uh, in front of this particular story once again. I did talk about it in length in Sports Talk. So if you haven't heard that take, please check that out. It's on replay on YouTube. The replay for that goes live each and every Monday at 11 a.m. So please check that out if you haven't. But uh, yeah, I just want to give some uh, deeper takes on this particular situation. And, you know, I really feel like this is a situation and I, I could be wrong. And like I said, I'm a man that it can admit when he's wrong. You know, I really feel like if he if he has some deep, dark secret or uh, undercover, you know, behavior that we don't know about, you know, my apologies to anybody that he has done wrong in that particular regard. But 
my spirit tells me that this is a situation where he's being slandered and smeared because of his demands to be traded. You know, and I, I, don't, I really don't feel like these allegations are just so happen to come out at a time where he's in odds with his organization. You know, the, the timing of, of this is completely odd to me. I really feel like that he is being railroaded in a sense where if he has to be traded, he'll be damaged goods. You know, no matter where he goes, if the league decides, and, and we know this, you know, how we know exactly how NFL operates and how they do suspensions and things of that nature. You don't need, you know, to be convicted. You don't need to be, uh, you know, had charged in the civil case, anything like that. I mean, just a, a mere, I guess it, it, it might boil down to the fact that if, you're, if your PR uh, gets too bad, like, you know, I, I mean, like, you look at anybody that's been suspended lately and when it's been, you know, subjective, you know, and people argue like Ezekiel Elliott suspension and, and others. You know, some people have clear cut cases of why they should should have been suspended. But some cases you kind of like, really, Roger Goodell? Like, really? Like there was no real proof of this impropriety and you, you spend them anyway. So clearly they don't need much to suspend you. So I feel like that, you know, if he has to be forced to be traded or, you know, I'm going to go back. I really feel like they were trying to scare off the trade suitors, which didn't happen because all the trade suitors are still there. They do, despite the fact that, you know, he has these allegations, they still want to trade for him. You know, and I mean, think about it like this. Even if he, tra- if he, if he sits 68 games, such as a team that has a decent quarterback, you know, decent backup, you can have, you know, take him six to eight games and I'll still have him four to five years, you know, no problem. So that's still worth the investment. So that's not going to do it. So that didn't work. But, you know, I guess you can say at least they, where he goes, he can be damaged goods and he could, you know, you cost him some money on top of the fact that you had to, you know, trade for him and he'll miss game checks and all that good jazz. But, you know, it just seems to me that this particular negative press and it keeps, the cases keep going up. I mean, I mean, I, I just don't, I just don't understand how you could have, you know, upwards of 20 improprieties with 20 different women, you know, and nobody say anything up until now. It's very efficient to me, you know, and I just, my biggest problem is the reason why I'm so passionate about this is the fact that I don't like to see good, bad things happen to good people. And I really feel like Deshaun Watson is good, he's good people. He's not, he's been nothing but a model citizen. He's been nothing but a good, you know, positive role model, you know, for people that are coming up behind him, you know, so, you know, they, I'm sure quite a few people that are, you know, kids that are playing quarterback now are looking at it like, I want to be the next Deshaun Watson, you know, I mean, he's not been nothing but a winner. He's been nothing but a class act. Even had on this trade dispute, he's handled it with nothing but class. And he said it himself. He, he's treating women with nothing but class, you know, and for somebody that's been, you know, exemplary in their behavior up to this point, you have to take them into the word. You have to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I give Deshaun the benefit of the doubt in this because I just don't feel like this particular situation, you know, is it just came out of thin air and just happened to be all, all on top of the fact that he's at odds with his organization. On, and add to the fact that his, the lawyer that's trying this case against him is a quote unquote friend of the family when it comes to the Texans. That's too convenient for me, you know. When there's smoke, there's fire. When it comes to, you know, I guess you could say smearing his name and making it seem as if he's the one, you know, that's not so, you know, it's not so much of a class act as, as people think. You know, they're trying to make it seem like he has a dark, you know, secret or a past or history that he's doing these things. And, you know, and it could be. I mean, just let's play devil's advocate for a minute. It could be one of those things where he... You know, they were covering this up all this time and they just let it out because, you know, they're going to trade him or be forced to trade him because he's not budging on the idea that he wants to move. You know, and I've said this many times. He, he has every right to move because the organization is going under. 
You know, they're not, they're definitely not rising. They're failing. And you don't want to be on that ship when it's completely submerged on the water. You just don't want to be, especially if you can't swim. So I, I definitely understand why he wants to be traded. And I don't understand at all the Houston Texans organization. And if they're behind this and, you know, and it's one of those things, you know, much like a lot of boosters, you know, and, you know, when it comes to, you know, proving whether or not they had anything to do with it, they just, it'll, it'll be covered up so well that you'll never be able to prove that they had anything to do with it. But it really reeks to me as if the Houston Texans had something to do with this. And I just don't like it, you know, because what's stopping, when you do things like this, you set a bad precedence. And I think they, they don't like the idea that Deshaun and a few other people were setting precedence that they want to be traded, you know, because they didn't like their situation. You know, so they quote unquote try to force their way out and cost the team, you know, dead cap money and things of that nature, have to pay their bonuses and stuff after they give them this big contract. You know, so they don't want to set that precedence. But you're setting a precedence as well on the other side is that every time somebody comes up with this problem or I want to be traded demand, then they'll just do what you've done and try to make them look bad so they can, you know, back off their claim. It's not good. It's not good business either. You, can't, you just can't, you can't run around doing these type of things. I mean, they do it in politics all the time, but it doesn't make it right. You know, I just, that's the problem I had with this whole thing. You know, I just don't understand why we can't amicably split and just, you go your separate ways, I go my separate ways. And, and I've said this before and I said it again, they can name their price and they can rebuild the organization the right way. I mean, it's really good business to be had out there and they just won't deal. It just won't deal. Why? Well, I just don't understand. I don't know why they dug in the hill so hard to keep him when he's not happy. You don't want to have a malcontent quarterback. You just don't. And I don't understand why they can't see that. That's my biggest issue with the whole situation. Why they can't see that having a malcontent quarterback playing the organization is not a good look. And it won't be good for anybody. He'll be unhappy. He'll play mediocre. You won't get the best out of him. And you still won't win. <laughs> you just, you, you still won't win. I mean, let's be honest. At some point, you will move off anyway because he'll age out or he'll get, you know, he'll decide to retire, whatever the case may be. You have to find another quarterback anyway. So why does not do it now? Find find somebody that really wants to be there, you know. But again, I just don't understand the whole idea of just trying to, you know, keep him. And then when you absolutely positively you have your wits in, you really feel like he's not going to change his stance. You go to the media and try to smear him and create these legal PR nightmares that, you know, were civil in nature first. And then, then now you want to submit to the, uh, prosecutors of Texas to say that he's going to, he should be charged criminally as well. Weird, weird and backwards. Most people that are really trying to get justice for a crime, they do the criminal part first and then they do the civil suit. But regardless, you know, the way in the matter you've done it, it all seems fishy to me. I just don't like it. I really feel like Deshaun is being railroaded. And that's not fair, you know, so somebody that's given your heart and soul to this organization for years, you know, and he's been nothing but a good guy and does nothing but good things for the uh, Texas area. You know, why, why we have, why have we come to this? You know, why have we come to this? I mean, and what's bad about your situation is that when you have allegations such as this, uh, when improprieties, you know, sexual misconduct, you know, inappropriate behavior with a woman period as a man, there's always that, you know, eyebrow raised to people, even if it's they you, you prove that it's not true in court, that maybe, you know, he's not as good as we think he is. You always, your reputation takes a hit, regardless of how, you know, it really went down or what the truth was. Your reputation takes a hit. And he's going to take a hit from this regardless. 
and I just, I just really think it's foul. I really do. And I, the Texans are really playing dirty pool right now. They have, they're really behind this, and I don't like it. But I hope that he gets exonerated from all of this, and he can get past this, and get you know somewhere where he's appreciated, and, and he can flourish and be a dominant quarterback going forward. It's just, it's just very ugly right now. And I didn't think they would get this bad. I, I thought we may have look at me looking at him maybe a holdout or you know, playing hardball all the way up to the season starting, something like that. I never once thought that they would, they would try to damage him publicly to make him stay. And then when that didn't work, you want to make him get suspended, you know, and be damaged good for the next team. So, you know, it's this is weird. I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it. And I, don't, and I really don't get the idea of them being dug in the hills and saying that I don't want him to go anywhere. He's unhappy. He's unhappy. He just got to cut bait. You just got to cut bait. I don't get it. Houston, I really don't get it. You got you should have cut bait a long time ago. And the time to cut bait is now because you don't cut bait until now in the draft and you won't, you really will be stuck. You know, regardless of what it happens, you know, let's just say this, you know, let's just say that he, he stays with them and he gets suspended. Now you have a suspended quarterback in your hands. You still don't have a viable quarterback. I mean, Tyrod Taylor, you know, I, I just don't get it. I mean, I'm, I'm not, nothing, nothing, no shot against Tyrod. There's no shot against Tyrod at all. But you have Tyrod Taylor versus having Deshaun Watson. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, yeah, you, yeah, he's suspended. Yeah, you don't have to pay him game checks. But, you know, is that, you know, maybe that's the end game. I mean, maybe I'll just talk through it just now. Maybe that's the end game. They said if he gets suspended, you know, they'll recoup the money from that. And they recoup the money they will recoup from him not playing when he does come off suspension. So I guess they're looking at it, they're just trying to, chip away at the money to the point where he had enough and he can't deal with it anymore. And he just like, okay, fine. I'll come back. You know, maybe there's just, it's just a really bad, you know, battle of tr- them trying to, it just being about money. It's not about him playing quarterback. It's not him about him not being there at all. It's just about the fact that I don't want to eat in this entire, you know, lump sum of dead money that I have to eat on my cap. Maybe that's what it is. And that, maybe that's the root of the issue. And that's the reason why they won't, don't want to, honestly you know deal him and trade him all right so we'll see we'll keep a track of it but i don't like it like i said if he's he's the good guy that i think he is then i really don't feel like he should have to go through this and we really think it's terrible that they're trying to smear him in the media i really don't so let's move on we'll talk about we'll talk about Deshaun enough so let's talk about free agency uh free agency second week it was you know definitely hot and heavy first week we talk about a lot of it um in various platforms the podcast and sports talk but um, this week has been pretty, pretty interesting as well. Um, Kenny Galladay finally decided to uh, make his move and where he wanted to be, uh, leaving the Lions, and he's now a giant. So he actually becomes the number one receiver uh, along with uh, Sterling Shepard, uh, Darius Slayton. Uh, and they have uh, they have two good tight ends now. They have Evan Ingram and they have Kyle Rudolph as well. So that and Saquon Barkley is coming back all fresh off of injury. I actually saw a video of him today working out. He looks he looks strong. He looks like he looks ready. So he'll be, you know, he'll be, should be good to go come uh, week one of the season. So you know, I have to say, man, the, the the Giants have definitely turned the tables on the NFC East, in my opinion, because they not only signed Galladay, but they got a Dory Jackson, which I, I, I'm upset about because I really think the Chargers should have went after him. I think our secondary needs a lot of help, and I'm not sure why, why the – Chargers are dug in the hills. I mean, we don't know the, the logistics because I'm not sitting in Tom Telesco's office, but I was hoping that they would go after Dory or Kyle Fuller or somebody like that um, to help our, you know, even Malik Hooker who's still out there, you know, somebody that's going to help our secondary. 
because our secondary is one of our weak points right now because we let Casey Hayward go. You know, just Desmond King was traded for nothing but peanuts to the Titans. So we're missing some some pieces in our secondary. You know, Derwin is coming back, but we need corners. And I just don't understand why they weren't going after him. Now, they could have gone after him and they just decided to balk at the idea of signing with us, but that's a slap in the face too. So I don't want to hear both of these, either one of those I, I options. But regardless, I would, Adore was a good catch in my opinion. He's still young, very fast, very agile. He can do um, a lot of what Desmond King did for us. He, you know, he returned kicks and he can, uh, he can cover really well. So he's really good, agile, fast corner. So, you know, my pipe dreams will burst, but uh, the Giants, man, going back to them, they definitely, you know, are looking better on paper. You know, Daniel Jones is really up on against it, you know, as far as production. You know, it's not a whole lot of excuses can be made assuming they stay healthy throughout the season because he has weapons. Good running back. Actually, you know, good two good quality running backs. Good tight two good quality tight ends, three good receivers. So I think it might be single swim for Daniel Jones, and they might be doing it at the right time because they really want to decide whether or not Daniel Jones is their guy or they want to move on from him because the the GM, you know, had a hand in, in getting Daniel Jones, but Joe Judge, who was the coach, you know, although they got um, Jason Garrett as the coordinator, and Joe Judge, that's not his guy. So you always hear that rumbling about when they bring in a new coach and they already got a quarterback sitting there, young guy especially, you can say I'm Darnold or you're Daniel Jones, you know, whether or not they want to, they want to get their own guy you know, quarterback wise. So it's a, it's a ride or die year for Steph Daniel Jones. It looks like it looks like he needs to have a good season in order for them to uh, feel like he's going to be the stable in the mainstay for uh, the Giants in the near future, but they got a lot of weapons. They look really good on paper. So uh, in, in the same vein, talking about the NFC East and a guy that left the Eagles recently, uh, Deshaun Jackson, he signed with the Rams. He's uh he's he's in LA now with uh back at home he's from California. So he's back home and he's in uh Sean McVay's uh offense now when get catch pass from Matt Stafford. So that should be interesting because uh he definitely you can use a third guy that can stretch the field because even though Deshaun's getting older, he can still run. And uh, you know, he's that's over the top, he can take the top off the defense kind of guy. So that would definitely help out Cooper Cup and in, in uh in Robert Woods. You know, going forward, so we did. The offense is getting more and more interesting for the Rams, and we got to see how that shakes out. And it's a surprise move as well that the Bears released Kyle Fuller, which I guess was a cap move. But this this was interesting about that. Now they were trying to clear cap, and they cleared a lot of it by, by having to release Kyle Fuller. But they didn't make a whole lot of moves in place of him. You know, they did get Desmond Trufant on a one year deal. I guess they did replace him, but uh, it was weird that they let Kyle Fuller go in. I would think they would make a big splash and go back to somebody big, you know, but they didn't, you know, they really, I mean, Desmond Trufant is not, not a bum, but he, he's not Kyle Fuller, you know, in, in large regard when it comes to the production in that defense, but Kyle didn't waste any time. Like he literally got released and the, when he became official, he was already in talks and became a Bronco. Uh, interesting move to be, cause there was some, definitely some suitors out there. A lot of people made plays for him, including the Chargers. Uh, I do know they did make a play for him, but he was, he decided to go to the Broncos, which is, Kind of odd, you know, because, I mean, let's be honest. You really think that the Broncos aren't the third or the fourth place team in the division at the moment on paper. That's it's kind of an interesting move. I don't know if he liked the money, he liked the coaching. I'm not sure what he liked from that as opposed to other teams, but he definitely signed with the Broncos quickly, and it didn't. It wasn't a whole lot of guesswork. He definitely made the news public right at the moment he happened. He got released. He got It became official on a Saturday. By the same Saturday, he was a Bronco, so. 
So the Cowboys, they made some uh, moves on their defense, finally. You know, after they got Dak Prescott signed, that was pretty much the only uh, notable signing. So they got Keon O'Neill from the Falcons. Uh, he's now on the Cowboys. Uh, very good safety um, when healthy. You know, I think he's a really good uh, run support safety. Uh, he could definitely stop the run um, pretty well. Really good tackler, really good hitter. Um, uh, his cover skills and use some improvement. Let's just say that. But I think that he's definitely a guy that could uh, be viable for the oh, the defense that needs a lot of work. Let's just say it that way. That defense needs a lot of work. Let's just, let's just be honest here. We're going we're gonna to just be truthful today. You know, so that was one cog in, in the in the additions that they need to make for their uh, secondary. So hopefully they'll draft, you know, nothing but defense in the draft, you know, especially in the first round, get a corner or something like that, you know, corner or two, you know, that will help their defense as well. Alrighty, so uh, so we're talking about we talking about Kenny Galladay moving. We talk about Deshaun Jackson, Kyle Fuller, Keanu Neal, Madore Jackson. We talk. Let's talk about some guys that's still out there. Uh, Malik Hooker, who's a young, good young uh, corner or safety, excuse me, safety from the Colts. He's an unrestricted free agent, and he hasn't been picked up as of yet. I wonder where he lands. I mean, again, the Chargers could use him. Hello, Tom. So let's go. We could use him. Um, and our secondary. Imagine a Hooker and Derwin together. That's that's a beautiful combo. But I can dream. Uh, Malcolm Butler got released from the Titans. He's still out there. Uh, I wonder what people are going to do or feel about Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz as well, because they're still out there. Uh, of course, they got released from uh, the Chiefs recently. Um, both in injured at the moment. Mitchell Schwartz has the back issue. Eric Fisher has a torn Achilles. So uh, it's a wait and see. But I'm curious if they, if they come back healthy and right, uh, I would say, you know, into the season or Mitchell Schwartz, maybe the beginning of the season, depending on how his back heals where they may land some i'm sure people can still use uh good left or right tackle so that'll be interesting is to see how that shakes out as well and jadavion Clowney, where where does he land and some who needs a pass rusher uh and it just seems like Clowney's a very you know i guess you can say in uh, interesting almost an enigma type situation because you know he's re really good out of college you know he had a couple of injury early season season with the texans and he finally got right had a couple of productive years with them um, they didn't want to pay him, so they traded him. Uh, so they, a long list of interesting moves he's made. But we, he never, he's, he's bounced around. He went from the Seahawks for a year. He played there and he left it. They didn't want to pay him. Then he ended up with the Titans. Uh, the Titans didn't really do a whole lot. They got injured again. So he didn't really do a lot there. And then now he's just in the win again, you know. And even with the Titans, he didn't get signed to the very beginning of the season. So, you know, this is weird. You know, where does he fit? And can he be productive still? That's the question. That is the question. Oh, man. So let's move on to the – let's talk about the Patriots, man. And let's talk about them. Uh, clearly, they uh, spent a lot of money in free agency. Very, uh, as uh, Rob, Robert Kraft would say, you know, uh, very risque moves in, in free agency. Um, you know, they, they – they he called it – it was a betting situation, I believe he called it. So – they made a lot of moves. They definitely made a lot of moves. And we'll go over it in detail in a minute. But I, I wonder, you know, about all these moves they made. They got two good tight ends now. They got two receivers. Um, Nelson Aguilar uh, is the, the most notable name out of the two. Uh, you know, they definitely add a lot of pieces on defense. They got two good linebackers, uh, McMillan uh, from the Dolphins slash Raiders. Now he's with the Patriots. They got Judon. They got Calvernoy back. Uh, he got released from the Dolphins. Of course, they got Dante uh, Hightower and those boys coming back from COVID protocol. 
So uh, they'll be full force and full strength. And you got Jalen Mills from free agency. That's another good addition to corner. So uh, my my question, though, is where does the Pats fit now in the landscape of the AFC? Um, are they fully back or are they still in need of, um, uh, I guess you could say, maybe a long-term quarterback, maybe? Uh, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I like Cam, and I hope he sticks with them and can and win with them, at least this year. I'm not sure if he'll be back after this year, especially if they land a young quarterback. But I'm curious where they fit in the landscape because I really feel like if you're looking at the top, you know, I, I'm still curious of what the Colts are going to do um, as being, to me, in the front runner for the AOC South. But uh, the Ravens, the Ravens still lack that issue. They still lack that uh accomplishment i'm gonna call it uh, of being a beat a good team in the playoffs like they they couldn't beat the bills uh you know lamar got hurt towards the end of the game but they hadn't done much before that uh so they couldn't beat the bills definitely can't be the chiefs um so they are yes they might be the front runner for the division but i don't feel like they are you know going to be you know, they're not a clear front runner in my opinion the chiefs are different the chiefs don't have any tackles yet uh, I don't know if they're waiting for Fisher and Swartz to heal up and they may resign them or they, what they were doing. They, they they showed up the interior line, but they definitely are lacking in the tackle area, and that's a problem, as we saw in the Super Bowl. So that, that to me makes them different. If they had to feel the team today and they had to go out on the field today and say that we're going to play with backup or, you know, journeyman tackles, I feel like that's going to be a problem, you know, especially in the, just, just in the division itself. You know, uh, I think Yannick Ngakwe is out there in the Raiders now. He's an issue for you. Uh, clearly, Joey Bosa is an issue. Von Miller is an issue. Bradley, Bradley, Bradley Chubb is an issue. So you got a lot of pass rushers in that division already. That will be an issue just for you in the division. And anybody else we face outside the division will go pass rush. So I feel like they're different. And like I said, I think the Bucks kind of give the blueprint on how, how to, you know, cover and um, limit that offense too. So, that that right that in itself could be uh, problematic. So that to me doesn't give the Chiefs the automatic leg up. I mean the Bills still have to prove themselves. So what is the Pats? What are the Pats land in this particular landscape? I think they're a playoff team at this particular juncture on paper right now. Clearly, you know the season got to start. You still got to you know ward off injuries in large scale and all that good jazz, and still got to play the game. You know, but. Just think about in in past history how Bill operates and how he does things, and how methodical and cerebral he is with this bolster team, especially from a defense perspective. You know, and offense just, just has to be okay, has to be decent, and the defense can be lights out, and they can win a lot of games, and they can shock a lot of people. So I think the the Pats have put themselves back in the conversation of being a front runner uh, for uh, AFC supremacy if if they play uh, like I think they may play. I mean, I, you just have to give. Bill, you know, the credit where credit is due, he's always a step ahead uh, when it comes to uh, preparation, um, number one, and two, defensive scheme, you know. We're not sure how his division is going to check out. I mean, he really has to fight off the Bills. Um, and, and yet Tua, who, I mean, seems like he's going to be the Dolphins quarterback. So you got a still a young, unproven quarterback in Tua. You don't know what the Jets are going to do. So automatically, if you can manage to at least split with the Bills, you know, you, that you have something. So... I think the Pats could be coming back, man. I think they could be coming back. And I think the moves they made were very calculated and they definitely boosted themselves up from office weapon perspective enough for them to be viable. So we, let's look out for them. So let's talk about the Browns next. I think the Browns made a lot of sneaky moves uh, in the in free agency as well because 
their issue and I, and I really I, I didn't think there was a, such an issue but I guess you can can point pinpoint it because it was an injury issue more so than a talent issue but the secondary from the Browns were the, I guess you can say the weak point of the particular uh, defense so you know and I had Greedy Williams but he was hurt most of the year they had Denzel Ward and he came in and out of the lineup injury wise Grand Delpin never played a snap you know, got him in the second round out of LSU. Really good safety. So they went out and got a, a few notable names to help that. And, and just the pieces I named already, they added more pieces to the puzzle, you know, and all of a sudden now, to me, on paper, they look like a pretty elite secondary because they added Troy Hill as a corner, uh, four years, $24 million deal for him. Then they added Josh Johnson, the secondary for a safety, a three years, $33 million deal. So you got Delpit Johnson, you got Ward Williams and Hill. Hey, that works for me. That works for me. And offense, they got Tack McKinley as a is an edge rusher. Malik Jackson is a middle line is a middle interior lineman. Michael Smith is a linebacker. Anthony Walker is a linebacker. So they definitely got better. Sneaky sneaky good in the offseason. They definitely got better. So I think the Browns can take a step. It just depends on you know, what they do on offense, but at the offense, the defense has definitely got better. So they can stay healthy. So that's a definitely an upward movement. So we can say that they could be a one or two win playoff team if they, if the chips fall the right way as well. So look out for the Browns, man. The Browns definitely are trying to get better and trying to change the culture and trying to get out of that constant and long history of losing. Got to give them credit. Got to give them credit. So, yeah, I talked about the Giants before. Uh, like I said, I think the the Giants' offense looks really good. And again, their offensive weapons and even their defensive side of the ball, clearly the defense was the strong suit last year. So they got a little bit better with adding a Dory, um, you know, in that regard. Uh, so, you know, I think that they are no longer the doormat in the NFC East. So I think that that'll – I want to see that play out. Honestly, truly, I really want to see that play out because I wonder how that's going to um, – who's going to be the front runner in the, in the NFC East because uh, as I'm going to talk about in a minute, I don't know exactly what uh, the football team is doing at quarterback. I was a little curious about that. I'm not saying they're done. Oh, and I forgot about John Ross. They signed John Ross as well. The Giants signed John Ross. So that's another receiver. So you got Galladay Ross, Slayton and Shepard, Rudolph Ingram, Saquon. Yeah. Yeah. It's time, Danny Jones. It's time, buddy. But, um, yeah, I think that on paper, they look pretty good. I mean, the Eagles, to me, feel like the fourth seed at this point. Uh, the Cowboys or the Giants, the, I think the, the Giants in totality, uh, they have the better team. Now, the Cowboys have a better quarterback, but I think they, in totality, I think the, the Giants have a better team. Now, that could be two or three for them. And, you know, I don't know, and I'm not sure what the football team is. I mean, it really just depends on what Fitzmagic or Fitzpatrick is going to do. Really, that really just depends on what he's going to do, and and that'll tell you exactly who's going to finish, you know, top to bottom. But it's to me, it's a, it's could be the Cowboys if they do better as far as boosting their defense. They gotta still gotta get some. They got a new coordinator, obviously, but they gotta get some more weapons on defense that to help them compete and keep people from you know putting up 30, 40 points and being shootouts every week. So that's the problem. So if they can do that, then they will they will be in the running as well. But the football team's defense, the Giants' defense, clearly the best in the division. I like Daniel Jones, but it's a proven year for him. You know, if Saquon will stay healthy, that would take some pressure off him. So 
it, it's, 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 I don't know. It's close. It's close. I, I would have to say between the football team and the Giants, it could be one or two. You know, it just, I just don't like Dallas defenses yet. If we get to the draft and they do really good on defense and maybe sign a few sneaky guys here and there as far as defensive help, then it might change. Because their offense, is, it should be pretty good. I mean, if Zeke can come back, the offense line can get healthy, Dak can spin. They got good receivers, obviously. That'll, that'll tell it as well. But again, you can't be in shootouts with every single team in the, in the league and expect to win games. We saw that before Dak got hurt. You just can't do it. So, yeah, man. So I think the Giants are on the radar. They're on the radar. They just no longer, they're no longer a hidden commodity on the radar. So, so let's get into uh, who we feel like. Let's break down free agency as a whole real quick, and uh, who we give out some uh, quick grades as far as who we think is winners and losers when it comes down to uh, free agency. So we'll start at the top, and we'll go through this really quick. I'm not going to hold this. Oh, your feet to the fire that is too long, but yeah. So starting with the 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 bills. Uh, I think their biggest signing to me was securing a left tackle, securing a tackle in Daryl Williams. I think Daryl Williams is a left tackle. Uh, and Emmanuel Sanders, they got an upgraded wide receiver. So that was good. They got Levi Wallace back as well. Uh, the the Dolphins curious case because that Isaiah Williams Wilson issue, they traded for him, they ended up cutting him, but they did get Will Fuller in free agency. So it got Will Fuller along with Devontae Parker in in with Tua, but again, what is Tua going to do in regards to his production? And you got to let him go out there for a whole year. Don't let Jacoby Brissett come in and save him when he's not playing well because it's not going to do anything for his confidence. So we got to let him spin, and hopefully that works out. We talked about the Patriots already. We, we, we went through all their notable signings. The Jets haven't made a whole lot of moves. They did get Corey Davis, and they did get Carl Lawson. Um, they did also sign Sheldon Rankins, and um, they got they did tender uh, Marcus May franchise, and they got a Marcus Joyner. So, and and they 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 are, I guess you can say, holding league hostage again. I'm have to say it. We still don't know what they're gonna do with that, with that number two pick. Uh, are they gonna keep Sam Donald? Are gonna take a quarterback? We don't know. Um, but I mean, they got two decent receivers, and they're still. Uh, issue a tight end, I think, but you know, it's looking better. It's getting better, but I think they're still a year or two away from being competitive. Uh, the 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 Ravens didn't make a whole lot of moves. They did get Josh Oliver, who's a really good speedy tight end. They got Kevin Zeitler as a guard, so they did get some interior line help. But outside of that, they make a whole lot of moves. Uh, the Bengals, um, not a whole lot to write home about. A Trey Hendrickson and Mike Hilton signing was pretty decent, but outside of that, they were not not a whole lot to write home about. So uh, talk about the Browns and their signings. They talk about them already. Uh, the, <laughs> in ironic news, I, I, I did forget to mention this, that Juju Smith-Schuster decided to come back to the Steelers for an $8 million deal on a one-year deal uh, versus taking more money from the Chiefs. And and I, just to make it the highest notable team that he was being suited by, being courted by, the Chiefs offered him a, a bigger deal and a longer deal, and he didn't take it. Now I, I I understand that you like you know Pittsburgh, you like the culture, you like the coaching staff, you like the organization. I get that, but my issue is that why wouldn't you take? Because I mean, let's be real, the Steelers aren't going to be a serious contender this year. They're they're rebuilding in a sense. You know, some there's still some, you know, they may be above 500 team, but they're not going to be a Super Bowl contender from my purview. So I would say that I would think that you might want to go catch Patrick from Patrick Mahomes versus Ben Roethlisberger for a year, but that's just me. But outside of that, didn't make a whole lot of moves. 
um their cap was an issue just slightly so they were you know being frugal but it did get him back on a one-year deal so uh I, i'm not you know I, i'm not even gonna give the texans any credit or love right now we're not going to talk about it the, the Colts are surprisingly solid. They did bring out back Zivy Rosen. They did trade for Carson Wentz and brought Marlon Mack back on a one-year deal. But outside of that, they've been pretty quiet. And they got a lot of cap money. So I think they're just holding it for uh, their, their uh, I guess you say, young guys coming up, uh, Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson. So, yeah. So, yeah, then the uh, Jaguars, who had also had a lot of cap space, they, um, they didn't... Uh, they got a big splash, you know. They did sign Cindy Jones. They did get uh, Shaq Griffin, right? Shaq Griffin from the uh, Seahawks, and they had a pretty decent deal for him. So they got two good corners going along with CJ Anderson. They uh, Carlos Hyde is a running back to help that backfield. Jamal Agnew is a hybrid wide receiver corner guy. Philip went uh, Dorsett. Um, so it's some interesting moves, um, but I think they're still in a rebuilding process. So even with these additions, I'm kind of. Kind of wonder how they're going to fare. I don't think they're going to fare too well this year, just yet. So I think they're still a, still waiting on that one. Still waiting on that one. The outside of sounding about Dupree, the Titans were pretty quiet. They got Janoris Jenkins as well, but um, they were pretty quiet in their own right. So um, they didn't make a whole lot of moves. But I guess Bud Dupree's going to hopefully solve that pass rush issue. Hopefully. So uh, the Broncos were very quiet as well. They did get California and Ronald Darby um, in the secondary, and they did. Uh, signed Justin Simmons. Uh, they did franchise tag him, but it didn't, didn't sign a later deal uh, for a long-term deal. So they did lock up Justin Simmons for a foreseeable future. So secondary looking okay. I'll give them credit for that. Secondary looking okay. But it, but they were fairly quiet in free agency. Along with uh, the Chiefs, they were fairly quiet. They did get Thune and Kyle Long. Kyle Long came out of retirement and ended up signing with the Chiefs, and they signed Thune to the, a big deal. But outside of that, they're pretty quiet. <clears throat> the Raiders are very interesting. Like I said, they got Yannick. I talked about him. Uh, they signed Kenyon Drake. Um, they brought Richie Yonkanito back. I got messages with him, but he's they brought him back. But then, but they turned around and traded Trent Brown back to the Patriots. They they let Gabe Jackson and Rodney Hudson go. Uh, so they they O line is in flux, and I'm not sure how you feel like you're gonna fix that in one draft. That's gonna take perennial Pro Bowlers. Uh, away from you and you replace them with young guys and it's supposed to work the same way. I'm just curious about that. So Cole Miller in, in uh, incognito only retaining guys you still have. So what is Gruden's mindset when he has Zay Jones now, he got John Brown, he got Kenyon Drake, he got Walfers of weapons with no old line. I'm very curious about that. I don't, I'm not sure what he's doing, but that's them. <clears throat> the charges somewhat frugal in this situation. We brought back Mike Davis uh, brought back our kicker. Um, we did sign Corey Lindsay, the best center in free agency. Signed him to a long-term deal. Uh, Jerry Cook is a tight end because he lost Hunter Henry. Uh, Matt Filer from the from the Steelers, so he's another offensive guard. So I I see your offensive line is good, along with Belago on the right side. So before out of the five linemen we have, we got O'Day uh, Obuche from the Lions as well. So we've got some pretty decent interior line. We just got to secure and show up that left tackle spot, and then it will be good to go. Still need some DB help as well. Talking about the Cowboys as well. They didn't, like I said, they didn't make a whole lot of noise. They brought back uh, Jordan Lewis. Of course, they signed Dak Prescott. And they got Keon O'Neal. Talking about the Giants already. They made a lot of moves. There's some really good moves on the paper. This looks pretty good. The Eagles are really quiet because their cap is in complete and total dire straits. Just put it that way. In dire straits. So they don't have a whole lot of cap. 
They did sign Anthony Harris for for a one year deal, five million dollars. Football team. <laughs> they signed Lamar Miller as a backup running back. They got they re, they tagged Brandon Scherf. They got Curtis Samuel, who was a really good signing from wide receiver. They even got Will Jackson uh, uh, to go in that secondary as well. To go on that defense was a really good signing. They resigned a kicker. But that Ryan Fitzpatrick for a ten million dollar deal is very puzzling to me because unless they feel like they're going to make a move for quarterback and try to get younger or move up in the draft, do something of that nature. I'm curious about how they feel like Fitzpatrick is going to do for them. You know, maybe they just not, maybe this is the take that they're not trying to overreact or overspend for a quarterback just yet because they're still trying to search who they really want to fill a role long-term. In the meantime, they can save money in that position and go out there other areas and lock those up and have, you know, weapons galore on offense and defense. And then when they find a quarterback, they can just plug and play. But, I mean, if Fitzpatrick stays safe and doesn't turn the ball over at a high clip, the defense will save you a lot of trouble in the long run, and you can still win games. So that's why I say I'm not going to write him off as being repeaters for the division because he could very well, you know, do enough positive for that offense for them to be able to win games because the defense is so tough. So we'll see how that works out. Now, in and what they're doing, and I, I can't figure it out, the Bears – the Bears signed Andy Dalton to a one-year deal, which I really don't get. They moved up Mitchell Trubisky, who's in Buffalo now. Uh, Andy Dalton is their starter. Um, they got Allen Robinson still. They retained him on a franchise tag. Got Desmond Trufant when he let uh, Cal Fuller go. But outside of that, it's only, as you can see, there's not a whole lot of things to write home about, you know, in regards to this. I don't get it. But and I'm not the Bears organization. I really don't know where they're going. I think they're going – to fight for the Lions for the basement in the in the North, in my opinion, but we'll see. The Lions got Jared Goff in a trade, obviously, and uh, they got Tyrell Williams um, on a one-year deal uh, as the wide receiver to replace Kenny Galladay. They got Bashad Perriman as well as a speedster. Tim, uh, Tim Boyle, quarterback. Josh Hill is a tight end. You know, Brockers in the trade. Not a whole lot to write home about. They did resign their uh, DN, uh, Roman Okawara. Ok- ok- the three-year deal, so he's going to be an edge rusher for them for the foreseeable future. So, again, I think the Bears and the Lions are going to be fedding for the basement. Packers outside of signing Aaron Jones, they made no moves, which is very puzzling to me. I really feel like they should have gone out and been been aggressive in getting another receiver, or Curtis Samuel, or Will Fuller, or even go out and get T.Y. Hill know when you deal. Let him help you out, you know. Um, because outside of him going back to the Colts, I think they could he could help the Packers as well, but. You know, they haven't done anything yet to help out uh, Aaron and Devontae, but I've been saying it. Got to make those moves. If you don't, you're still going to be the same, you know, finishing the same where or le- or worse in the next season. Vikings are very pretty. Vikings are pretty quiet as well. They did get Patrick Peterson on a one-year deal uh, to help with the secondary. Um, but outside of that, they got Dalvin Thompson as far as uh, their interior line is concerned. But they're, they're very frugal as well. They didn't make a lot of moves. Uh, neither did the, the Falcons. We're cap issues as well, so they don't. They have no notables here, in my opinion. The Panthers, you know, they they were definitely quiet. They did resign their uh, tackle Taylor Mouton. He was a franchise tag. They got Rashad Melvin back. They did get Sean Reddick off the off the free agency market. Um, so we'll see how he works for them. Denzel Perryman is the middle linebacker going along with Shaq Thompson. So we'll see. They're still working on it though. Pat Elfline they get get him as a guard for three years. So they're still rebuilding. I think they're still kind of holding in the phone, trying to see if Deshaun Watson going to come in the door. Cap, the cap issues were. I'm mean, I'm just impressed with the fact that the Saints got under the cap. I'm impressed with that, and I and the fact that they were able to resign James Wilson to be the starter. Hopefully, so that's a good move for them. 
franchise tag Marcus Williams. Now, the the overall winner for me is is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're going to get the top spot. They're the winner for free agency. The Pats were the most improved, but the Buccaneers were the winners in free agency for me because they figured out somehow, some way to retain practically everybody with the exception of a few outliers that they needed to retain to be the front runners to repeat as two bowl champions. They brought back Chris Godwin on the franchise tag. They brought back Gronk on a one-year deal. They re-signed Shaq Barrett to a long-term deal. They brought back Levante David on a two-year deal. And that's all. And the only person that's really hanging in the wind right now is AB, who is, who is a mid-season signing. And he could come back on a one-year deal, so hopefully. Uh, the Dominican Sue, they could let him walk and maybe get an interior lineman in the draft. And Leonard Fournette, you know, and they could get a running back in the second round to, to help spell uh, uh, Rojo, and they'll be fine. So, and with Tom Brady, he is your quarterback. And they got three good tight ends. OJ Howe's coming back off injury. He's a dynamic player. They won, man. They won free agency. Uh, the, the Cardinals did well for themselves. Um, or, you know, some, some savvy moves, some very veteran leadership moves, in my opinion. They got they got Rodney Harrison as a the center. They traded for him. The the Raiders gave him away for a song, <laughs> practically. Uh, they got uh, Kevin Beecham. They signed AJ Green to go along with their receiving core. Uh, Robert Offer is the corner. They brought him back. Uh, and then you got J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt was the first cog to drop when it comes down to being a pass rusher or, or signing for free agency to your deal with $31 million. So they got a lot of veteran leadership, a lot of savvy vets that would try to take this team to the next level. So hopefully they can compete in that uh, competitive NFC West. Should be a good one. Uh, like we talked about before, Deshaun Watson and Leonard Floyd came back to the Rams and they traded for Matt Stafford. So that should be interesting. Um, hopefully the Rams can be uh, that much better next year. Uh, the 49ers were pretty aggressive, I want to say. They uh, re-signed Kyle Juszczyk. They got Trent Williams on a very, very rich uh, deal. Six years, $138 million. They got Alex Mack uh, on one-year deal. Got a, so they got a good center, and they got a good old tackle on the O-line. With McGlinchey on the other side, that look, that line is looking pretty good. Uh, they got uh, Samson and Bouquet from the Rams. Signed him to a two-year deal. Brought back Emmanuel Mosley and Jason Ferrer for the secondary. And Jaquaski Tart. So yeah, the, the, assuming Jimmy Garoppolo can stay healthy, man, uh, they don't make a trade. That that team's looking like it could be back to the Super Bowl form. So we, that that particular West is going to be tight. And now to, to round it out, we talk about the Seahawks. They brought back Chris Carlson. They signed Gerald Everett, uh, the Rams' tight end, uh, to a one-year deal. They traded for Gabe Jackson again. The Raiders gave them away for a song, and they re, and they got a Keller Willispoon, Forty Nineers corner, on a one-year deal to replace Shaq Griffin. So. They are looking, still look a little shaky on defense, but they definitely solved some problems offensively. They got another good offensive lineman in Gabe Jackson. They got a good tight end to go along with those two good receivers. So, we you know, so we're leading, getting into that. So we'll get get back into our topics here. We're getting back into that. Let's talk about the fact that uh, the Carroll. Let's talk about that real quick as we wrap up. What did Pete Carroll honestly truly mend defenses with Russell Wilson? That is the question. With that particular, this particular, I guess you can say, savvy, slightly aggressive move they made for agency, and I hope so because that particular dynamic and what's the best situation for Russell because Chicago isn't it? Because look what they did at quarterback when they couldn't trade for him because they got Andy Dalton, and yeah, it's rough. And Dallas got Dak, so I mean, it's not all that team that are in a better situation you know, with a good established coach like Pete Carroll. So I think that hopefully they mend their fences and Russell can uh, be able to 
you know, be protected and be that guy that he can uh, honestly and truly be when it gets down to being an elite quarterback. And hopefully they can go forward. But it's not going to be easy because I have to tell you, that division in itself, the Rams are better. The 49ers should come back to form with all the injuries being rectified. And the Cardinals got better from a veteran's standpoint. So I think they'll be better this year. And college should hopefully take steps and, and make the offense run better with Kingsbury. So that it's going to be tough. And I really feel like they still got some issues and some holes on defense. So I'm not sure. But, I mean, at least from a production standpoint, Russell should be – more comfortable. He shouldn't be greatly comfortable, but he should be more comfortable. So I still think they got issue with center. I don't think they have a good solid center yet, but in the right tackle, but the left tackle is good. Their right guard is good. A young guy they got, they got Gabe Jackson on the left side. So they just, you know, so if they can make it work between that center and that right tackle position and with every catching passes uh, from it being a safety valve for Russell, this should, should be better. It should be better. So hopefully, We'll say that um, you know, that they mend the fences, they calm the waters, and Russell won't be unhappy for the foreseeable future. And hopefully they won't let this particular issue think it'll just die down and they don't keep needing to get better. They still can upgrade themselves in the O line perspective, maybe in the draft in the next couple of years. So we'll see. But I hopefully for Russell and Pete Carroll's sake, because they they need to make that work. I think they should and will be better together than they will be apart. So I think that if hopefully these makes you know some progress and we can keep building on this and they can continue to win football games. So you know, but you know, like I said, last but not least, we'll you know, I just didn't I'm just trying to understand, as I alluded to about the quarterback situation when it comes down to the football team and the Bears signing. I don't really get the Andy Dalton thing at all. And as I alluded to, I think that Fitzpatrick can be good and can be enough for them. So I I was questioning and scratching my head with the football team's move. A quarterback at first, but more and more I think about it, I feel like that hopefully, hopefully that Fitzpatrick can be a game manager enough to let the defense get stops. You can run steady offense and push the ball down the field and win games. So we'll see. We'll see. But those would definitely hit scratches when we come down to a quarterback position or decision. So that's going to wrap up the NFL segment. Well, let's get into the Lakers locker room. It's Lockdown Davis Podcast. Back with Lakers Locker Room is the Lockdown Defense Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. <laughs> Somber Lakers Locker Room this week, boys and girls. But uh, yeah, of course, as we alluded to earlier in the podcast, LeBron James got hurt high ankle sprain out, th- out three to four weeks. Um, Timetable were for his return. Hopefully, he heals up well and and fast, and we can get him back as soon as possible, but, but healthy. The biggest, biggest key and the biggest takeaway from all this is that him and AD have to be healthy. It doesn't matter how long it takes, assuming it's before the playoffs, but, you know, as long as they come back healthy and don't rush it back too soon because 
the team may be, you know, I want to say floundering, but not doing as well as we needed to do, them to do um, going into the playoffs. But the biggest thing is that as long as we make the playoffs and we can make the, and be in the playoffs healthy, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. But uh, but first and foremost, um, rest in peace to Elgin Baylor, um, Laker legend uh, for the Minneapolis and uh, Los Angeles Lakers. Long uh, term, long time, long time uh, Laker. Uh, really good player. I wasn't privy enough to be old enough to see Elgin play, obviously, but um, definitely one of the Laker greats. Um, had his number retired by the organization, obviously, and. Uh, his numbers, you know, overall to speak for himself. I mean, you just what can you can't you say about the guy? We came in the league with rookie of the year, eleven time All Star, ten time First Team All NBA, uh, retired, one of the fifty greatest players, Hall of Fame, Helms Foundation Player of the Year. I mean, you name it. I mean, his accolades go, you know, to the stratosphere as far as being one of the all time greats as far as being a basketball player in the NBA. Uh, he played from, I want to say, 1958 to 1971. Small forward, you know, very, very good player. Like I said, just the, I guess you say overall highlights, you can see, you know, as, as the game was a little bit different then, you know, it was a very good, very good player, very good player. And definitely uh, will be missed in, in Laker lore and Laker legend um, and Laker nation. So appreciate everything he did for the organization uh, as, uh, as a player and what he did for the league as, a, as an executive. So, uh, may Elgin Barrow rest in peace. Shouts out to him, and may may God bless his family. Let's get into Lakers news. Uh, like I said, LeBron was hurt, injured in the Hawks game on Saturday, and uh, he will be down for a while. Uh, so my biggest takeaways from that is that it, of course, is not a, a really ideal situation. Uh, but as I alluded to, while AD was uh, on the shelf as far as being injured, you know, it's a time in where we could truly build a confidence to a high level of all the supporting cast, you know, KCP, Kuzma, Harold, Schroeder, you know, those guys, even Talon, Horn, Tucker, and, you know, those guys coming off the bench, you know, Morris, you know, Marquis Morris, you know, literally getting those guys touches and, and game time and experience to where they really are at the height of their confidence level when it comes to playing basketball. And if they can stream together some games, winning some games here would even help us out even more. And once you bring back to the fold of LeBron AD, we will make us that much better going into the playoffs. So the question is, like I said, you know, AD, AD will probably be out another two to three weeks, give it to take time to but LeBron will be out three to four weeks. So we're talking uh, mid-April, mid to late April, for them to come all come back in healthy and that's towards the that gives about two two and a half three weeks before the season ends i want to say um looking at the calendar so yeah i would say that uh lebron is slated to come back around the 19th to play DLA utah ironically uh ad will come back the week or two before that um maybe the brooklyn game maybe the uh charlotte or boston game it depends you know depending on what how he feels and how, how he wants to uh how long he, you know, how much he wants to play and how quickly he wants to bounce back in into playing. Uh, and of course, the game, the season ends May 16th. So, like I said, it gives them about a little less than a month to uh, get back into basketball shape. And it will honestly, truly allow us all to gel together one good time before the playoff run begins. So, that would lead one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 games still to play. 
if the if all goes well and everybody comes back healthy. So it's not if it had to happen, it should happen now rather than later. Don't want to happen in the playoffs, obviously. So long as we're healthy is the biggest point I I can make. Long as we're healthy at the end of the season. So looking at so we'll recap the games you know that we had prior to uh, this all happening, and uh, of course what we had overall this week. We had the Timberwolves, the Hornets, the Hawks, and the Suns. Timberwolves game, Hornets game, two really good team basketball, really good defensive basketball games that we won. Uh, we lost to the Hawks because LeBron went down in that particular game early on, lost by that by five. And then we lost pretty handily to the Suns. And the Suns was going to be a tough battle without AD with playing them with LeBron. So I can definitely understand and see why we lost to the Suns without either one of those players. So, you know, they, I mean, they, they're a good team. I can take nothing away from them. But I, I have more respect for them and their accomplishments than I do the Jazz at the moment because I see the Jazz are up and down, but the Suns still playing good ball. Again, better leadership. So I think overall, I think that's what, where we're at. You know, I think that if if we could figure out a way that let, you know, we put Harold in the starting lineup, let him and uh, it is true to be the focal point of the offense and let Kyle Kuzma work off of them, you know, and just play good team basketball, the biggest thing, play good team basketball. We'll be in a lot of games. I mean, we got the Pelicans coming up here today. Um, then we got the 76ers, but they don't have any need beads, so that should be an interesting game. Uh, then we got the Cowboys and the Magic. So I think we can get three out of four, no problem. You know, I mean, granted, the Pelicans are playing well right now. I mean, the Zion and Lonzo and those boys and, and B.I., but, you know, of course, that's always a chippy game because, you know, those are former Laker players and all the good jazz. But, you know, I, I really feel like, you know, three out of the four, maybe, you know, if any, with any luck, we get four out of four. So, I mean, I'm, I'm being really optimistic, but I want to see my team play well without the two stars. So we'll see how things shake out, but I think we can get the Cavs in the Magic game for sure, you know, if we play decent um, offensively and play good defense. And um, we'll see what happens with the Pelicans in the 76ers, but I really want to wait and see to see how this team responds, you know, having a couple of days to kind of work with themselves, um, work with themselves and try to figure out what their new identity is going to be until LeBron and AD come back. So, very curious about that. But like I said, Pelicans, 76ers, and the Cavs in the Magic this week, so Winnable games, winnable games. Like I said, we still got a few uh, juggernauts in, mixed in here, you know, coming up forward. Like I said, we're playing 76ers this week, and then uh, we got, uh, I think, after this week, I want to say, where are we at? Today's the 20, 23rd, so like I said, we got the Pelicans, and then the following week, we got the Bucks on that Wednesday, after we talk again on Tuesday. So we got the Bucks, then we got Sac Sacramento, then we got the Clippers on the 4th, so that's going to be a tough game. Then we got Toronto, then we get the Heat, and then the Nets on the 10th. Uh, maybe AD can come back for that game. Maybe not, depending on what his timetable is, how his recovery is coming. Maybe, maybe not. So we got to go to Brooklyn. Then we go to the Knicks, then Charlotte, then Boston, then Utah, and then Utah back-to-back. -back. We got Utah, you know, back-to-back -back on the 17 and the 19. So uh, that LeBron could be back by then. Could be back by then, too, as well. So that's that's three, four weeks time frame. So you heard on the 20th. So, yeah. We could we could be looking at um them coming back for the last Utah game and uh, hopefully we can uh come back to full strength then so we'll see, but I mean like as you see I read off there's some games in there sprinkled in there where we definitely should be winnable games despite our injuries so hopefully and then hopefully wherever Marcus All is he can come back and help out as well and I guess my final point would be that you know being the trend line is coming up and this did happen and we realizing that you know we might need another weapon or another body 
able body that's going to help the team may make Rob Polinka that much more aggressive in the trade deadline as well. Um, or going after, you know, aggressively after Andre Drummond or Norman Powell or Victor Oladipo, you know, those guys. So those, all those guys could help us out, you know, and definitely be a catalyst in helping us um, compete in the playoffs once everybody gets healthy as well. So I like all those moves, man. So hopefully we can do something decent when it comes down to uh, it being, uh, you know, treading water. I guess you can say treading water to the, to, you know, and still hang around, the, you know, fourth or fifth seed, sixth seed maybe, um, you know, hang around that area so that everybody comes back strong and then we can finish out the last 10 or 15 games together, win some games and, and keep our, keep ourselves in the playoff hunt. And when it gets started, hey, all best is off. Zero, zero. We going, we got to do, got to do work. So, yeah, man. So hopefully uh, we'll be all right. I'm going to say I'm going to be watching the game tonight and hopefully we can get the Pelicans. Um, you know, we can beat them and uh, we can beat them. I feel like I feel comfortable with this team and how we are going to fare down the line until these guys come back. But, you know, got to tread water, man. Next man up. So that's going to do it for Lakers Locker Room, man. Stay tuned for the fourth quarter closeouts the Lockdown Davis Podcast. Back with a four quarter closeout as the Lockdown Defense Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Oh man, let's give out these awards, man, for Breakout Player of the Week, Lockdown Defender of the Week, and Big Dummy Week. But before we do that, I want to remind you that uh, each and every Tuesday, 10 a.m., YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, you name it, we're doing it. Appreciate y'all by support. Like, comment, subscribe as always. Uh, so let's get into these awards, man. So I, I almost couldn't believe my eyes when I saw these numbers. Look at Donchins. Luka Doncic over the last week, from Tuesday to Monday, has averaged 39 points a game, 7.3 rebounds and 7.3 assists, and his team is trending upward <laughs> as far as winning in basketball games are concerned in the last 10. So Luka definitely could put his name back in the hat as far as being an MVP candidate, especially with LeBron going and Embiid going down. So be on the lookout for him and James Harden, man. If they both keep playing basketball like we've seen in the past, you know, 20 games per se, you know, for both parties, could be a two-man race. I don't know. I'm, sure, I'm not sure what Jokic is going to do in regards to that as well, but I think Luka could be a dark horse, man. I mean, he could be putting his name back in the hat. He's putting up great numbers, as you can see. And another man in the same conference, man, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell over this last week has put up 31 points. 4.2 rebounds and then 5.8 assists a game. So he's been definitely doing his thing as well. And his Jazz are kind of teetering a little 5-5 five and five in the last 10, but he's definitely been putting up his numbers. So for Lockdown Defender of the Week, is a sneaky guy and named by the name of John Collins uh, for the Hawks. He's been uh, putting in a lot of numbers, offensively and defensively, actually, here lately. Um, 36 rebounds in total, 5 steals and 11 blocks. 11 blocks over the span of a week. So, yeah, he definitely put a lot of 
numbers on the defensive end. Him and Clint Capella kind of been putting together some some sneaky numbers, sneaky numbers from a defense perspective, which probably alluded to why they've been winning games as well. And for the second week in a row, Mr. Miles Turner. Miles Turner been putting up a lot of defensive numbers as well. He has 11 total blocks and 15 rebounds in this span as well. So over three games. So we definitely got to give Miles Turner his love. So so for breakout player of the week and lockdown of the week, we got Luka Doncic, Donovan Mitchell, John Collins, and Miles Turner. Give y'all shots off of winning awards, boys. Now on the big dummy of the week, and I have to give it to the Houston Texans organization again, man, because I really feel like they're behind this whole Deshaun Watson scandal. And I really feel like they're trying to sell a good man's name. Like I said, if I'm wrong about this, I, I will come on the podcast and sports talk and say I'm wrong. If Deshaun has some type of dark side that we haven't seen up to this point, he's hidden really well. And all of a sudden, somehow or another, in convenient time, it is coming out when he's trying to be traded. I'll admit it, I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. I really feel like Deshaun is a good guy. I really feel like he's really good for the community. He does really good things as a football player, really good role model. He's shown nothing but a similar breeding class and, and, and a maturity as a man. So I really feel like that the Houston Texans and people around him are trying to sully his name and give him a, a bad rap and a bad uh, reputation going forward as a celebrity. And I'm not here for it, man. And the Houston Texans, if you truly are behind this, is a really dirty pool. And I really feel like that y'all should have nothing good coming to you based upon the fact that you're trying to sully this man's name. So for the Houston Texans organization, you get the Big Dummy of the Week Award. You big dummy. So that's gonna wrap it up, man. Like I said, each and every Tuesday, we right back down here, man. YouTube, Google, Podcast, Spotify, Anchor, you name it, we doing it. Like, comment, subscribe, share with your friends. Let everybody know we down here, man. We doing this content hot and heavy. So I appreciate everybody's support. As always, I'm your man, Coach Defense. Step up and lock it down.